0: Tonight on Talking Politics, we'll look at a new push to make the Massachusetts governor's office a lot more transparent, plus a call to consider reparations in Boston. Then later, Maura Healey's political evolution from a progressive darling in her first run for AG To a more moderate candidate for governor, is it the right pitch for Massachusetts voters? But first, to a few other key races as the campaign season really starts to take shape. Just this week, some big names making their official announcements include Rasan Hall, a former top official with the ACLU of Massachusetts. He is running for Plymouth County District Attorney. And Andrea Campbell, the former Boston City Council President and mayoral candidate. She's running for Attorney General. Both are vowing that if elected, they'll change the way the system works.
1: My vision requires us to reclaim the spirit of justice. It's as something more than tough-on-crime rhetoric or law-and-order politics and posturing. It requires a complex accounting that requires integrity and accountability.
2: I've dedicated my entire life for fighting for greater opportunity and equity. And that's exactly what I'll do as the next attorney general of Massachusetts. Because the attorney general is not just the top chief law enforcement officer in this state. The attorney general must be an advocate for fundamental change in progress.
0: I'm joined now by GBH News City Hall reporter Soraya Wintersmith and politics editor Peter Kadzis. Hello, both of you. Soraya... What should people who might not follow Boston politics super closely know about Andrea Campbell as she begins her run for AG? I
3: think there are two big things that folks need to keep in mind about Andrea Campbell. One is that she is a fierce opponent, and two is that she's really good at tying her lived experience into the policy agenda that she campaigns on. On the point about fierceness, we saw multiple times over the mayoral campaign that she is not afraid of a fight. She got into it with the Boston Police Patrolmen's Association. And then when some supporters of one of her opponents made implications about her position as a black woman, one of two in the race, Campbell deployed a strategy of aggressively contrasting herself with Kim Janey, basically standing outside of city hall and saying, this is why I am better than my opponent on decision-making and policy issues. So anybody that hits her should know that she is willing to hit back when she's pushed. And then on the campaign side, she's been very clear about how her connection to law enforcement and incarceration and reentry informs why she wants to change systems. I think that can be very effective when you are campaigning, like very powerful when you tie a formative sort of life experience to policy.
0: And we should mention, some people will know this, some people might need a reminder, her father was incarcerated and she had two brothers who spent time uh, or have spent time in the prison system. Her twin brother, Andre, died uh, while being held by the state in pretrial detention. Peter Kadzis, Andrea Campbell is gonna be going up against a couple other Democrats. Quentin Pelfrey, an attorney who served in the Obama and Biden administrations, and Shannon List Reardon, a labor attorney, both of whom have experience running for statewide office. Do you think that's gonna be a tough transition for Andrea Campbell to go from city politics to state politics?
1: No, I don't. And I think her ace in the hole is the fact that she's the only one among them who has already held elected office already being responsible to constituents, being responsible to people, whether they support you or oppose you, really, in, it just really informs how you handle yourself. Um, I don't make light of the fact that this is her first statewide run. And I, I would say that uh, Shannon Eden, uh, um, who was an incredibly impressive woman every bit as impressive as andrea campbell really only ran for a short time before she dropped out of um the, the race uh, in, in favor of maki so um i have no doubt that campbell will um hold her own she'll be learning some new tricks but she's uh nothing if not teachable
0: Saraya, both Andrea Campbell and Rasan Hall are running for law enforcement posts, as we mentioned earlier, talking about changing the way the system works and and bringing a different perspective to the system than some of the other people uh, who have preceded them may have had. Is it fair to see them as following the path that was blazed by Rachel Rollins, the former Suffolk County DA, who's now U.S. Attorney?
3: I think that is fair. I think Rollins' victory showed that there is an appetite in the electorate for not just theoretical reform like paper and policy, but the actual execution of law enforcement. That's how we got that list that explicitly said, here are 15 crimes that we will decline to prosecute except in special cases yeah. in service of making sure that we can focus on violent crime. I think folks of color in The greater Boston political world may argue that it stretches back even before Rollins. And I think in talking to Peter, just, you know, as an editor and a Boston person, he pointed out that the Attorney General's office specifically has been going through change uh, beginning with Martha Coakley's election.
0: Let's get you, Peter, to talk a little more about the evolution of of the office, because Uh, you fill the same role for Soraya that you have filled for me for a long time now. You're the guy who grew up here and knows deep history in a way that I don't as a newbie. Talk a bit more about the evolution of the AG's office and who's held it.
1: Well, the evolution in the office really began with Frank Bellotti, who, um, much to many people's surprises, saw this regular Democrat um, branch out aggressively into consumer regulation. Um, And I would say today that the attorney general's office is as much a regulator as it is um, a policeman or uh, uh, a legal advocate. I'd like to return to this point, if I may, about the Rawlins and prosecutors. By all means, yeah. I I agree 100% with Soraya. Um, Yes, Rusan Hall and, uh, uh, Campbell will be following in Rollins' footsteps, but Rollins shouldn't be considered as a lone figure. There's a larger context here. There's a, been a movement at foot for several years and it's called, um, progressive prosecutors. And there are oh, I don't know, don't hold me to this, eight or so have been elected around the country. Maybe among the best known is um, Chesa Bodine uh, out in San Francisco. And um, he's extremely progressive. Uh, an interesting footnote, his um, his adopted father is Bill Ayers, the former weatherman. Hmm. But um, Hall and, t- to a different extent, Campbell, a, a-, a part of a, a- Groundswell, a a, a bottom up movement to um, reclaim the levers of law and justice for the people. It's very populist. Um, It's more aggressive than what Mara Healy did because these things come in steps. Yep. I mean,
0: Uh, Saraya, let's turn to a different topic. There is a push right now in the Boston City Council led by City Councilor Julia Mejia to create a special panel that's gonna weigh the possibility of reparations in Boston for the city's legacy when it comes to slavery and racism. In this context, if Councilor Mejia gets her way, what would reparations mean exactly?
3: That's a great question. I think the short answer is that's precisely what this commission that Mejia wants to put together would parse out. I talked to her uh, back when she introduced a hearing order to have a discussion about the possibility of reparations last year. And at that time, and still now, she says that the point that she wants is to acknowledge harms done to black American residents in Boston, and then think about ways to repair that harm. And she says that that could look like any number of things. Maybe it's a check, maybe it is a public acknowledgement, Maybe it is fostering equity across certain areas. Um, I just want to add that Boston is not alone in this effort. We've seen a number of governments across the nation take up commissions or committees to try and figure out how reparations would work and what they would look like. Um, We see it in Los Angeles, California, Denver, Detroit, uh, closer to home in Amherst and even in Providence, Rhode Island.
0: Does she have the support on the city council to make her proposal uh, a reality?
3: That is a great question, and that is one that is hard to answer. We have an entirely new makeup of the city council, um, and a number of the seats were filled by different people when this conversation began, and so we haven't had each councillor sort of weigh in formally on this issue. Um, There are... I would say a small contingent that you can bet money on, um, that they're pro-equity and they make people of color a big focus of all of their policy and they probably would vote for Mejia's commission as is. I don't know that there are enough of them to move this forward without question at this point.
0: Peter Kadzis, uh, turning to the governor's race briefly, Jeff Deal, the Republican candidate, uh, first one in the race, now he has some... Um, some competition. He announced this week that he was tapping Corey Lewandowski, the former campaign manager for Donald Trump, to help out with his campaign. Uh, Lewandowski's been a very high-profile figure in Trump's orbit over the years. He also was accused of sexual misconduct by a woman last September, the wife of a prominent Republican donor, after which... South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, a candidate for a Republican candidate for governor in Nebraska, both cut ties with him. As did Donald Trump's own super PAC. What do you make of this move by Jeff Deal? Well, Adam, remember Star Wars? I do bring
1: up the music that came on every time Darth Vader appeared in the film. That's the background against which we have to imagine Corey Lewandowski. I see Lewandowski filling two roles. One, um, Team Trump doesn't like losers. In the odds against Jeff Deal, the the odds are at the moment heavily against Jeff Deal beating a Democrat here in Massachusetts. That has implications for money. Um, I think the fact that a, a bankable Trumpian name like Lewandowski has pitched his tent inside, uh, uh, y- you know, the deal Fort, um, could be a plus for raising money from um, the MAGA world. Um, Secondly, Lewandowski is um, a bare-knuckles brawler. And I have predicted off-camera that I expect Deal to really start shedding blood at some point. Let me, and I think Corey Lewandowski will encourage him to do that. One, Deal would be smart to run against the entire Democratic field. Take on rent control, take on free transit, take on the decriminalization of the personal use of, um, narcotics, um, whether it's true or not introduce critical race theory into the campaign. Um, I think Corey Lewandowski is the to draw blood for deal.
0: Uh- I want to ask you about Bill Galvin's idea for gubernatorial transparency, but I need to ask you a follow-up question. The kind of campaign that you just described deal running, I could see it getting Massachusetts Republicans really excited and maybe bringing in some outside money, but is there any indication that on the statewide level, That's what Massachusetts voters want. I mean, it bears repeating that Donald Trump lost badly here to Hillary Clinton in 2016 and lost even worse to Joe Biden. So how would going that Trump route be a a recipe for success long-term? Well, the
1: governor of Virginia um, did it successfully um, by not alienating Trump but going after Trumpians. And know that some of the issues I said, things like rent control and free transit, um, those are issues that will um, resonate with the suburbanites who decide who's next governor. So some things would be able to be done softly other things would be done with a nasty edge. I mean, I'm predicting here. I don't know what will happen, but I, I'm just looking at the, the pieces on the table and how if I were Lewandowski, yeah. the advice I'd be giving
0: Deal. Okay, before we wrap up, I want to get your thoughts, Peter, and Saray, if you have any, I'd love to hear them too. On this push by Bill Galvin, the Secretary of State who is currently seeking his eighth term, to make the governor's office in Massachusetts, which is, I think, the only one in the country that refuses to comply with state public records law, uh, subject to state public records law. Here's how he explained it on Greater Boston to Jim Browdy.
1: Now that we're having a change in the governor's office in January, I can't fight the battle for the past. I'd rather fight the battle we might be able to win for the future. And I'm saying as of the day the new governor takes office, every record should be public. And I think this should be an issue in the governor's race. We should hear it now from all the prospective governors that they're willing to do this.
0: Peter, any chance that Secretary Galvin's uh, proposal here comes to pass? Uh, slim, but there's a chance.
1: The cultural issue's more interesting. Let, let's go back to the Star Wars music. This time <laughs> it's the music um, that comes on when um, uh, the force is talked about. Mm. Bill Galvin, whose nickname on Beacon Hill is Prince of Darkness, yeah. has clearly gone over to the side of the force of the good guys, and it is a brilliant move on his part to say, let's make the governor's open uh, governor's office wide open. Now, the catch here is he's going to need the legislature to do so, but if all three Democrats running for governor embrace the idea um, that increases the probability uh,
0: that it might happen. All right. It's a good shot. We'll have to keep an eye on this one. Sarah Wintersmith, I, it's hard to follow Peter when he gets cosmic, but do you have any thoughts on Galvin's <laughs> on idea or maybe just the way things here compared to other states? Right, as a reporter
3: who has worked in another Commonwealth, I just find some of the transparency rules here in this one odd, um, but i you're right. It is hard to follow Peter um, with references to Imperial March and the Fourth, yeah. um, which are spot on, poetic and spot on. It is
0: poetic, and I will be humming those little bits of music all day. Peter Kazis and Soraya Wintersmith, thank you, guys. When Maura Healy ran against fellow Democrat Warren Tolman in the 2014 primary for Attorney General, many people saw her as the progressive choice in the race. Tolman had a history of taking left of center policy positions but he also had the overwhelmingly male democratic establishment on his side. In contrast, Healy was a woman who'd played a key role in the fight for marriage equality and was trying to become the first openly gay AG in the country. But now, less than a decade later, the perception around Healy is very different as she runs for governor. Progressive critics see her as too comfortable with the status quo when it comes to law enforcement and too eager to emulate the leadership style of Charlie Baker, the state's outgoing Republican governor, who she praised in a recent interview on GBH's Boston Public Radio. I have a lot of
3: respect for Governor Baker. And, you know, people don't always understand what's happening when it comes to the actual work of of government. And... You know, how we work to, to communicate and to get things done. And I've always appreciated his pragmatic approach, and we've certainly partnered together on a number of important
0: issues. So, as Healy vies for the Democratic nomination with Harvard political theorist Danielle Allen and State Senator Sonia Chang Diaz, is pitching herself as a moderate the right way to go. And when people use the word progressive in 2022, what exactly do they mean? Joining me to talk it all through are Mara Dolan, co-founder of Left of Center, a Massachusetts-based democratic super PAC, and Muhammad Missouri, executive director of Jetpack, a local nonprofit aimed at increasing American Muslims' political influence and engagement around the country. Hello, both of you. Mohamed, uh, are you surprised to see Maura Healy right out of the gate casting herself as the spiritual inheritor of Charlie Baker?
4: Uh, Thanks for having me, Adam. No, I'm not surprised. I think she's, uh, you know, with that lead that we saw in the early polling, I'm sure their internal polling is is showing similar numbers. And I think she's already, you know, thinking about... the and, you know, what appeals to a much broader audience than just the Democratic primary. So I think that's where her messaging is coming from, Uh, despite what you said, that, you know, uh, when she first got elected, obviously, she did run as a
0: progressive. Uh, Mara Dolan, what about you? Are you surprised that... Healy is channeling Baker to the extent that she is
2: I don't actually think she's channeling Baker I think she's making an accurate statement of support the political reality of Massachusetts is that Charlie Baker's had has had wide support he's won twice and it makes a lot of sense for her to say something positive about him right off
0: that makes sense let's uh actually pull up some poll numbers that get to points that both of you, made right here at the outset. They show the State of the Democratic primary contest right now, Maura Healey leading by a wide margin, 48% to 12% for Sonia Chang-Diaz, 3% for Danielle Allen, although it bears noting that 30% of people either didn't know who they'd vote for or refused to answer the question. And then, to the point that you made, Mara, when people were asked if the next governor of Massachusetts should be like Charlie Baker, not like Charlie Baker, 26% said the next governor should be more liberal than Baker, 23% more conservative, and 45% said they should be about the same as Baker. So he has found that Goldilocks spot, I guess you could call it. Um, That being said, am I right that if you are Sonia Chang-Diaz or Danielle Allen, is this in a way liberating because it frees you up to think bigger, be more ambitious, make a more aggressively left-leaning case to left-leaning Democratic voters, because you know that's what you have to do to win. Uh, Muhammad, let's start with you.
4: Yeah, I think the, the lane is going to be open for one of those two to, to make their case that they're the progressive candidate. And I think if you look at the, you know, the last cycle on the statewide level, you know we elected Senator Elizabeth Warren and we elected Senator Ed Markey who definitely are, you know, the, were the progressives in those races, right? So I think that's where the, I think all candidates are going to try to appeal to progressives and say we are, you know, we're progressive enough. Or obviously in the case of um, State Senator Arizona, Chang-Diaz and Daniel Professor Daniel Allen, they're going to say like we are the progressive candidates potentially because that's where the lane is. And I think it's still early. I think, you know, I, I think the Attorney General Healy choosing this more, you know, um, say, moderate stance maybe on leadership, not ne- not necessarily on policy, could be a little bit too soon. Uh, if the other candidates raise enough money and if they're able to get their message out there, I think they'll find uh, that there's plenty of time to convince voters that, you know, who, who want progressive uh, changes in the Commonwealth and progressive leadership.
0: Mara Dolan, do you see Danielle Allen and Sonia Chang-Diaz taking this as an opportunity to just go hardcore progressive from here through primary day?
2: I think that Sonia Chang-Diaz was certainly very progressive from day one. I don't expect that to change just because Maura Healy is in the race. We have seen Danielle Allen release a new position paper that she wants to decriminalize possession of heroin and cocaine. So I think we will see these kinds of farther left policy positions which are designed to get more media attention and to hold on to their far left base.
0: Uh- Speaking of media attention, we happen to have a clip of Danielle Allen making the case for changing the way we handle drug offenses, changing them from criminal to civil. Let's take a look.
2: We have been trying to deal with the challenge of substance abuse disorder by criminalizing addiction. This does not work. It is time for us to change completely how we approach this. Make sure that people have help, not handcuffs. That when you're struggling, it's not jail time that you get, but an
0: actual road to recovery. I'd love it if we could dig into the the bigger question that sort of lurking behind everything we've talked about so far which is what it means to be progressive at this particular point in time as i mentioned in the intro when maura first ran i think a lot of people uh the the fight for same-sex marriage was not where it is today and a lot of people saw her pivotal role in that especially as a gay woman as a, a progressive badge of honor Today, we've seen people say that Maura Healey is too comfortable with the law enforcement status quo. I know after she announced, I heard from some environmental advocates who thought she wasn't aggressive enough on their behalf. So uh, what do each of you think it means right now to be a progressive Democrat in Massachusetts? Muhammad, you go first.
4: I think it's what you saw from Senator Ed Markey last year. It, when we're talking statewide or it's what you're seeing from... You know, Representative Ayanna Presley. It's what you're seeing from you know Mayor Michelle Wu, uh, and even in, in you know gateway cities like like Worcester, what you're seeing from uh, Councilor Haji who just got elected. These these people are running on very progressive um, you know on on policies that would essentially tr- transform our society, where you know the, the wealthy, the, the the super wealthy, the people who with, with traditionally had access to most resources, have to give up some of those resources to make sure that we lift truly all people out of poverty, and that we end things like homelessness, you know, and that obviously the criminal justice system actually has justice in it. And I think we're going to see more of that also in DA races this year, as you know, as you can, um, and with all these different people who have announced uh, already, and, and people like, you know, uh, Rasan Hall from the ACLU, who started the DA project of, you know, getting more progressive DAs. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what it means to be progressive today. There's the, the policy element of it, but I think also people want to see a sense of urgency and leadership as well. And that you know we rest especially on issues like climate change we want to see action right now and i think that's what it means to be progressive today it's not just you know saying progressive things it's also actually acting with urgency
0: before we go to mara i want to mention uh mohammed you cited ed markey as an example of someone who embodies what progressivism means at this point he as you both know took some flack from younger progressive supporters when they thought that he was uh, too supportive of Israel vis-a-vis the Palestinians in some public comments he made so Mara how does your understanding or definition of what it means to be progressive stack up with Muhammad's
2: well I think I agree with how with his definition of how progressives see progressives. I know folks who don't like the word progressive because they say, look, we're all Democrats. And that's where I come down on this. And I think that the people who define themselves as progressives and Democrats have much more in common, even in terms of policy. And the differences really come down to tactics and strategy and the difference between being an activist And being a legislator and that what you are able to do as an activist is very different from what you can do as a legislator and as a legislator you have to compromise with other legislators in order to pass legislation to enact the policies that progressives want
0: i want to make sure that i understand this because this is very interesting you feel am i hearing you right you feel like it is maybe time to retire the term progressive because it is divisive for democrats or am i paraphrasing incorrectly there
2: you know, I wouldn't, uh, just on the spur of the moment, yeah, I'd like it if we could just go back to calling ourselves Democrats.
0: All right, Mohammed, what do you think about that argument that Mara makes? Is it, for Democrats, broadly speaking, useful to have progressiveness as a point of distinction or a criteria to be sized up, or is it uh, counterproductive in some way?
4: I think you'll, I think Mara's right in, in to some degree in that there are a lot of people who think progressive doesn't necessarily capture what progressives today, uh, you know, the, the sort of that um, the definition that I outlined, right, that it doesn't pro- really capture it because a lot of people will say that progressive today. It's become very broad. Yeah. And as we remember, I mean, if we look back, progressives, Democrats started calling themselves progressives because liberal was considered, you know, a terrible word because mm-hmm. Republicans think that that is a terrible thing. So, you know, so it's been about 10 years in the making, I think, of making saying progressive instead of liberal. And now we're again talking about, you know, is it the right term? So I, I honestly think it doesn't really matter that much. I, I don't, I, what matters, you know, voters look for policy proposals, they look for vision, they look for things like, you know, charisma for that matter, you know, do they connect with with the candidates um, and leadership style? And they actually do listen to what you're saying more so with just how do you identify? I think that's the majority of voters. So right. I think at the end of the day, if you identify as a Democrat and a progressive Democrat, I do think people, um, that appeals to the majority of Massachusetts voters.
0: Muhammad Missouri, and Mara Dolan, thank you for this combo. it was interesting. Thank you, Adam. That's gonna do it for tonight, but do come back next week, and in the interim, tell us what you think. The email is talkingpolitics at wgbh.org. The website is gbhnews.org slash talkingpolitics, or you can find me on Twitter, on at Riley Adam. Thanks again for watching, and good night.